With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. HN Podcast. I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace. We reach you this week following Iowa's 38 to 36 loss to Purdue in West Lafayette on Saturday. Some of you still haven't shaken the uh, the mental cobwebs out. I basically took a 24 hour hiatus from Twitter because the uh, toxicity and negativity, I'd had enough of it and didn't want to be potentially around it or also add to it in my own sarcastic, snarky way. So I recorded a 25-minute instant reaction podcast after the game, and it was so bad from a standpoint of snark and uh, bridge burning, I deleted it and um, recorded a new one. So I've, I've, I've talked a lot about this. Why don't you go ahead and start us off? What are your thoughts on Iowa's game against Purdue and where the Hawkeyes go from here? To me, I, I think this is pretty simple. And you have really two evenly matched teams. And as we talked about last week, the strengths and weaknesses uh, play to the other. That's why the, the spread on this game was two, I believe. Mm-hmm. When we did our confidence picks on Friday um, or on Thursday, this was my one-point game. I had no read on it at all. Because each team wants to, each team thinks it's it's set up and equipped to attack the way the other team wants to play, uh, and then the final spread of this game was two points. You know, so um, I think if these two teams played ten times at Kinnick, Iowa would win six. I think if they played ten times in West Lafayette, Purdue would win six, and I think if they played ten times on a neutral field, it would be five to five. I just think they're that evenly matched. So because I have that context or that framework, individual situations where, you know, well, why didn't we run the ball better? Or to me, those things are baked into the formula that they're evenly matched. And so I'm going to look for moments or decisions that operate outside of that framework that alter the outcome. And to me, there's only one of them. And that's the decision to go for two points. You know, it's up there with, um, you can't hide your quarterback in college football. You got to pack a defense on the road. You don't go for two when you're behind unless you have to. Mm. And, and you end up chasing those points if you don't get it. And, uh, that's the game to me. I, I just think it's that simple. That decision, and it didn't work. 
Iowa was chasing those points the rest of the way. And I know I had some Iowa fans say to me after the game, well, you know, Purdue might have just scored a touchdown there. Yeah, there's no way of knowing that. I don't know. They might, they would right. have. Secondly, if they did score a touchdown there, they would not have been able to massage the clock the way they were playing for the field goal because you're behind and you can't just run it down to one second right. and say, all right, guys, it's all on this play. No, you've got to score right away. And in a college football game where the clock, you know, in the last two minutes basically stops, uh, you know, for a booger uh, stops uh, because, uh, you know, there's a hot chick in the stands. The clock in the last two minutes of a college football game stops for a myriad of reasons. You can do a lot in 48 seconds of a college football game. That changes quite a bit in my view. Okay, so um, I, I just think it came down to that decision. I don't think there's any LOEs or anything of that nature. Two evenly matched teams. One coach made a decision, and it didn't work, and that's why it, that was the difference in the game. I think it's pretty simple, actually. It is, and the, the whole chase and points thing was, was very frustrating and, and remains frustrating. Um, thinking back on it, but again, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you, if you do go to overtime, if you win that, but it's frustrating. There, there are some people really upset Kirk Ferentz being one of them, Steve, Steve, he, he rarely, if ever criticizes officials. And when he does, it's, I mean, it's, it's done so in a Machiavellian way. Um, but he was as pointed as Kirk has ever been on some calls in that game, basically saying, you know, we go 55 minutes into a game and without any holding calls. And then in the span of basically a minute, Iowa gets two of them, including mm -hmm. one, on, including one on the center. And I was listening to Ed Podolak at that time. And Ed said, we're this far into a game. And if you make a holding call on the center, you're looking for it. I've seen the replay. Wasn't a hold. Um, and then the debated pass interference call that Iowa had in the end zone there to me, Julius Brents had his hand on the defender or on the offensive player. And if a ref isn't watching it the whole way, who knows what he sees out of the corner of his eye, the human element is still involved in the sport. Um, so it, it's, it's hard for me to be too critical on that one, but, but Kirk was in very upset. He also made saying that last year, quote unquote, our receivers couldn't get open against a junior high team quote, and then he went on to say that uh, things look pretty rough out there today, meaning there were a number of holds. And there were. There were a number of holds. Purdue came up and got physical and, and got away with a lot, which probably happens in a lot of games. Uh, Noah Fant blatantly held on a two-point conversion attempt. It's odd to hear Kirk talk like that. The fan base certainly was incensed by those things. What are your thoughts? I think um, fans should be incensed. And um, have a right to be so in those situations. I think that's also good coaching by Purdue. And, um, you know, my favorite team has gone to more of that kind of Seattle Seahawk style of coverage now. Basically daring officials to throw a flag on every play and they're not going to, you know. And uh, if you take a, you you build in the idea that you'll take a few flags, particularly in college football, where pass interference is in a spot foul beyond 15 yards. So you'll take, you'll take a couple of those uh, because they won't throw the flag every single time and um, you'll win more battles in coverage that way. It's similar to, uh, you know, we're getting ready to start college basketball tomorrow night. It's, it's what, you know, Tom Izzo has kind of built a program at Michigan state on, which is they're not going to blow the whistle every time, you know, you blow somebody up going to the lane. So just keep doing it. You know, and I, I think that's where, 
you have a responsibility as the other team's coaching staff to, uh, and, and in this case, we're talking about Iowa is you have to, they're not, even if, even if you got some of those calls, they're not going to throw them all the time. And so you've got to come up with your guys have got to be good enough more times than not to get off the line of scrimmage and beat that kind of coverage to make them pay for playing it. And Iowa just on a perennial basis doesn't have those wide receivers. And I feel like that's a show you and I have done before. It is. It is. No question about it. Um, I'm, an, I'm just really impressed. Now, I didn't with, get a chance to see Kurt's or Kirk's um, post game because I was watching the Michigan Penn State game. Did he, what was his re- response to the two point conversion play? He said he felt like they needed every point possible at that juncture because he thought the game was going to be in the 40s. And my answer to that, which I haven't given, is it's still a bad idea to chase points. So if, if that's the case, then you you had resigned yourself that you were going to go for two every touchdown the rest of right. the game, even yeah, if you would have gotten logic. back on yeah. even if you would have gotten back on track and gotten that first two point conversion, you're telling me you would have gone for two every, every the rest of the way because that's basically what he's saying. And I highly doubt they would have. Fourth and two or fourth and three at all? Did they punt at all in those downs? I'm uh, guessing. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, they 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 went for some fourth downs late in the game, but I, I just think that that particular answer. It's far easier to give when you weren't faced with, okay, you did get the two-point conversion. You're back, quote-unquote, non-chasing points anymore. So if it's gonna, if you're going to need every point you get, that meant that every touchdown you scored the rest of the game, you were just going to go for two because you needed every point possible. I doubt that. Right. right. Well, I'll say this then. If they, if they were going for it on fourth down a lot throughout the course of the game, then he at least is, is, is consistently applying that. And um, what I what I and, and that's what I was hoping the answer was going to be. I didn't want to see a situation where they were playing field position, punting it, and then going for it, and then you know kind of throwing that out there, almost like you're throwing the the players under the bus. So if they were consistently being aggressive, then they played that uh, card, and it just didn't work this time. And to me, this isn't this isn't a killer loss. It's it's the loss before this one, um, the loss to Wisconsin. You played. I think. I think Purdue. When I think Purdue is the highest ceiling team in the West because of the style of offense they play and some of the playmakers they have now. And more is you know on another astral plane. But, but that gives other guys now, Wright, Knox, others, room to execute. That Meaning that those are great B and C players. They couldn't be A players on a good team. Mm-hmm. But when you've got Rondale Moore, those guys become really lethal B and C guys. And so I think that makes their ceiling very high. You know, losing this game by a couple of points on the road in excruciating fashion on, on literally the last play of the game isn't the killer. The killer is the, is the turnovers against Wisconsin. When you see now, this is not a vintage Wisconsin team preseason number four. You know, we have that conversation on the podcast every August on an annual basis, you know, historically in the AP poll, almost two teams a year. It's like 1.8 on average teams in the preseason AP top 10 finish unranked. But right now, Wisconsin is one of those teams Uh, from preseason number four. They're not ranked right now. So you let that one get away from you. And then 
whatever the hell that was in state college last week. If I, not my place to tell other fan bases how to think or react. I'm just saying if I were an Iowa fan, that would really be the frustration level I would have would be those two games where we let those things get away from us in this game. It's a 50, 50 game on the road um, against a style of play that has historically given Iowa fits going back to when Joe Tiller first brought it to the big 10 from Purdue. And you have a chance. You're trying to be aggressive. The kind of the game's getting ahead of, or getting getting away from you a little bit. You've gone down by a couple scores a couple different times, which means now you've got to get more aggressive. You you stuck with that. It didn't work. Um, and yes, that breaks the paradigm that you went for it, but it was in the context of the fact you had to break your paradigm to get back in the game in the first place, and it just didn't work. That happens. This is not a national championship team, you know, and so. Those kinds of losses are going to happen. It absolutely, though, could have been a, a division championship team, except for the two games that Iowa let get away from them in state college and especially at home against Wisconsin. And that's really the game right now. I mean, if, if Iowa beats Wisconsin in that game, the they are still very much in, particularly with getting Northwestern at home this week. And the line right now is Iowa's a double-digit favorite you know, you're, Iowa is still very much in line to win this division because you have Northwestern beat Purdue, Purdue beat Iowa, Iowa beats Northwestern, uh, and and now a lot of the different tiebreakers and stuff kind of tilt to the advantage of Iowa the way they do Northwestern right now, which it basically just comes down to if Northwestern wins any two of the next three games, it's an Indianapolis period regardless of what everybody else does. Well, if Iowa beats Wisconsin, they're that team in that driver's mm-hmm. seat right now. So if I were an Iowa fan... Yeah, I I mean, that coaching decision is the difference in the game. But now in the context of everything else you told me, I feel a little bit, I still don't agree with it, but I'm not, I understand it. I'm more empathetic to it now. Also, you know, watching that game back and forth in between the Michigan game. And I could, you know, Iowa was down by double digits on a couple of different occasions there and kind of had to get out of its game to come back. So that happens. You're on the road. You're not, you're not a national championship team. You're up against another team that you're kind of evenly matched. Those games are going to occur. The lost opportunity was the home game against Wisconsin a month and a half ago. That's, that's the one that kind of set Iowa on the, on the road that it's on right now, in my view. It did. It did. So the, Iowa, a lot of people listening to this, Steve, are still, you know, uh, having a, a degree of malaise to deal with uh, to one level or another. Some people, I, I really haven't wanted to enter these discussions because I've seen my friends in the media tweeting, you know, Tom Caker tweeted out, um, Tom Caker tweeted out last night, you know, Iowa was a nine and a half point opening line favorite. I'm like, oh, great. Wait till I see the replies of this. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Season's over. Blah, blah. I'm not even engaged in that crap for my own sanity. Um, if Iowa can win out and go nine and three, likely go to the holiday bowl. I mean, I'm sorry, man. And I, I, I said this a number of years ago and I, I it may be the point in time where uh, I have to, you know, see about following through on that. If Iowa has a season of nine and three and a good portion of the fan base is ever really irritated by that, it's time to do something else. It's time to find a new hobby. Well, again, I'm not an Iowa fan, so I don't think it's my place to chime in on that. Um, let me just say in general, not always. Like I think the, 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 the 2009 team was better than 9-3. and three. 
Okay. But in general, unless you're one of the historical big three, and I don't know, you know, you know, Nebraska is not that now, but you're still talking about one of the seven or eight all time greatest programs in terms of overall resume in the country. But at the very least, if you're not one of the big three in the East, historically, the Ohio States, Michigans or Penn States, given where this league is at right now, I mean, the Sagarin ratings still have, you know, I think four of the top 12 teams in the country in the Big Ten. So in general, if you're not one of those three historically great programs and maybe you throw Nebraska in there, too, if you want, I'm okay with it. If you don't, I'm okay with that, too. But at the very least, if you're not one of those four. With how stacked this league is right now, and you've got to play your in-state rival who right now may and it could very well have the best football coach they have ever had. It's possible. And you have to play them home and home every year. I, I don't know, man. In general, I kind of think that's a pretty good season. But I also don't want that sound that I don't want that to sound condescending coming from a Michigan fan because, you know, we've had some years the last decade and we were averaging barely seven wins that nine and three sounded pretty damn good. You know, um, I was listening to Detroit sports talk radio Sunday morning, getting ready for church. And, uh, the, the, a guy calls in and he's a Michigan claim. Not, I don't know if he is a Michigan state fan or not. He just claims that he is. And he, he said, well, now that we're out of the big 10 title hunt, I hope Ohio state comes in here and beats us next Saturday. So Michigan goes in there, all kinds of hype, gets it all built up, and Ohio State crushes their hopes again. And the host of the show is a Michigan State grad and a longtime uh, Sparty beat writer. He's like, wait a minute, you don't want to beat Ohio State? You, you would, you want to, you you would rather lose to them so that Michigan. He's like, you know, we could still go nine and three in this league with all the injuries we've had. We would we could still go nine and three, beat Ohio State and Penn State in the same season and go to one hell of a bowl game and get to 10 wins. That's a great season. Why wouldn't we want that? And the guy's like, I don't care. I just hate Michigan fans. I work with them. So I, was he a troll? I don't know how many people that are saying this stuff on your Twitter feed or Iowa fans or Russian bots. I don't know, you know, but in general. For Iowa, where it's at historically, unless you have an 09 season where all those guys were back and the schedule was set up, in general, unless you're one of the three, maybe four, if you want to throw Nebraska in there, historically elite programs in our league, given how deep this league is right now, its commitment to winning at various schools. I mean, Minnesota is ruthlessly firing coordinators in the middle of the season. Illinois just did it last week. Okay, I mean, pretty much everybody other than Rutgers right now is is all in to win. Um, And if you can go nine and three in this league and you have to play your in-state rival home and home every year when right now they may have the best program they have ever had, or at least since Earl Bruce was here in the freaking 70s. I don't know, you know, Okay, but again, I'm not a paying fan, so it's not my place. Yeah, and I get it. And and I, I don't want to make the mistake of over-inflating numbers due to the veracity of what I'm seeing. That I'm seeing 30 or 40 people on Twitter losing their ever-loving mind, and I get so many replies coming at me that that 30 or 40 seems like 300 or 400, which then is a decent sampling. 
it's the same thing through the years where you make the mistake of thinking that what you're seeing, the tone and tenor of the message boards, is actually indicative of the entire fan base when that's just not the case. The people who tend to be the most um, have the greatest tendency to emote, to let emotion rule their life, are those who post on message boards. And uh, in some instances, but I think less so, those who interact on Twitter. So I don't want to blow it up and out of proportion. But that was the reason for my, I mean, getting people tweeting out, you know, Riley Moss is trash, fire this coach, fire that coach, no way should Brian Ferentz be the next. All this freaking toddler emotional reacting, I just can't deal with it anymore. And um, that's why I sit here and say, man, if Iowa beats Northwestern this week, a good Northwestern team, they're going to beat Illinois. And then you get Nebraska at home at the end of the year, which is not a gimme, but a game you should win. If you go nine and three, you got a chance to, to be 10 and three if you get a bowl win. I mean, what is the point and use of pissing and moaning about that right now? Maybe I'm just getting old and I have eaten so many bowls of perspective in recent years. It accounts for, for this, but um, I don't know. Well, let me say this. Yes, you're getting old, but and that, and that means we're getting soft. Also means you grow in wisdom. So you got to balance those two things out. And that's why, you know, in general, I agree that nine and three in this league with how strong it is right now is nothing to sneeze at. I, I wouldn't say though, that that's a, that's an absolute for Iowa because there are seasons where things are clearly set up to go to the next step. None of us thought coming into this year though, no, this we was, didn't. Un- you know, like, you know, to me going, going seven and five in 2009 is like a losing record for this team. That's a dramatic underachievement, but that's also 10 years ago. Now, you know, next year when a lot of these guys are back, if we want to have this conversation, we're also though talking about a team who's over under win total at the start of the year was seven and a half. You know, so um, this season's a missed opportunity. No question about it. The Wisconsin game in particular, that's the one I'd really be focused on if I were. For sure. Still number one at the top of my list. But But we're still talking about a team that might go a game and a half over its win total. That's hard to do in a power five conference, man. Hard to do. You know, a lot of teams aren't going to do that this year. Indeed. Uh, so it can be both. It can be both a disappointment and an overachievement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because, because you're, you're, you're our, as fans, our expectations change when we see the team as it, as it is out on the field. Right. And so, but, but we also need to keep in mind what we knew about them coming in. You know, and so you got to you have to balance those things out. Let me tell you where that doesn't get balanced out. Um, Pezhawk sixty nine me on Twitter. That's where it doesn't get balanced out. Yeah, no question about it. All right, that'll do it for this installment of the HN podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.